I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Null, and this week I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. And his partner from the Failed Critics video game spin off character unlock, John Muller. Hello. It's your first time on the main film podcast, isn't it, John? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an honour to be here with you guys. You know, much more professional than me and Brooks can be. I don't know about that. <laughs> don't, don't build us it, up too high. Don't look at it as yeah. a promotion. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like you've been called up to the first team for a, a match. Very, so much chance to prove you, very much chance to prove yourself. I will try not the, to uh, let you down. The likes of me and Owen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. yes, um, might be overstating <laughs> what we are a little bit there. But uh, we are, you're here because we're doing a Resident Evil sort of main feature bit thing at the end of the show uh and you guys you brooker john you've just done um a special about the resident evil games with matt lamborn yep which um was came out last week so plenty to talk about there i think in relation to games and and movies i'm I'm still waiting for the football manager adaptation but i just can't see it happening it's not on the horizon Mm. wasn't it a film with michael sheen (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, anyway other than that we've got uh what we've been watching, the news, which is just filled up with trailers from the Super Bowl, and uh, the quiz, where I'm winning 1-0, ever closer to making Owen watch Essex Space Bin again. No, not going to happen twice. Stop, stop saying Essex Space Bin on the podcast. Exactly, exactly. This like is what the happened. Beetlejuice we... or the Candyman. You keep saying it, it makes it real. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, re- it's real, isn't it, Owen? Because we talked about fucking mob-handed so much it got into the top 10 of our end-of-year awards it's not going to happen with Essex Space Bin we're not going to do it again it's I'm not even you know what let's just if we have to refer to it it's ES from now on not even going to give it its full title the fucking piece of shit garbage twat bag bollocks movie it is if you call it it ESB people will mistake it for Empire Strikes Back that's okay I'm happy with that so (laughs) the other Fucking garbage, awful, twat bag. No, anyway, I'll stop that before Steve just storms off. Not happy already. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on to the quiz then, where I'm winning 1-0. Owen is asking questions. I am facing off against team character unlock. Yeah, well, actually, you're going to be individual. Uh, You can give your own individual answers on this. You don't need to, um, you know... Talk between yourselves, John and Brooker, to, to do this. You can pick your own answer. What's going to happen is we're going to play a pointless-esque game. And last time I did pointless, I asked my wife for the answers. <laughs> she was the, the, the survey of one uh, instead of a hundred. And I've done the same thing again. I've asked her for answers. But this time, the point of the game is to get as few points as possible. So, I'm going to ask you a category. I want you to name... I've got three rounds. I'm going to ask you to name uh, a video game adaptation. So, a movie based on a video game. Right? I've taken her first ten answers. In the, in the order they've come out, I've given them points. So, the first one that she said, the first thing that came to her mind immediately, I've given ten points to. Second one has got nine points. Etc, etc. You can name either something that she didn't name... Or I will assign you a point based on the order of how she thought of it. And you've got to get the fewest points total. Is that clear? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, we'll see. It'll make sense. It'll make sense. 
Okay, um, so yeah, the first category is video game adaptations. And Steve, as you 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 are up against the odds on this one a little bit, you can go first. You can name any video game adaptation. Right, I think she won't have named, or it'll be very low. Super Mario Bros. Okay, right. Uh, John, as the guest, would you like to go next? Uh, or first time guest, I should say. Brooker is also a guest. Um, it's part of the furniture now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, there's so many to choose from. But it's okay, you haven't necessarily got to find a pointless one, just one that is unlikely to have come out first. Okay, uh, Doom. Doom. Okay. And Brooker. Wing Commander. Wing Commander? Yep. Is there an actual Wing Commander movie? Yep. Yeah, it came out... 98? Yeah. I can't believe I've actually seen it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good sign, I think, from my reaction. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Second category. I want Because Resident Evil, the new one, is the sixth film in the franchise, I want you to name franchises with six or more films in them. Fucking hell. So, in reverse order, Brooker. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween, okay. And John. Oh, God damn, uh, I've got a better one. Then. <laughs> Pokemon. Pretty sure there's like 50 Pokemon. of those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Steve. What's it called? Wrong, wrong turn. I think there's about 10 of those now. Okay. And the final one. So there's only three points in this final one, and I think you'll see why. I want you to name a film with the word evil in the title. Okay. So, John, you can go first. Um, fuck it, Evil Dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's have uh, Brooker. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And uh, Steve. I don't want to go with Resident Evil. It's too <laughs> that would be a good too shout. obvious. Mm. Evil Dead Two. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, okay. <laughs> I will accept that for the purposes of this. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What's, what's wrong with it? <laughs> well, well. Okay. Right. Let's go back to the first one then. So, video game adaptations. Steve, you said Super Mario Brothers. That got you seven points. That was the fourth film that she named out of ten. Unbelievably, his video game adaptations. Uh, John, you said Doom. And that was the very first film that she said. Oh, wow. So, you get ten points. And Brooker. Yes. Wing Commander, as you might have guessed was zero. It was a pointless answer. So you are currently in, in the league. In so, so many ways. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? In the second category, that's franchises with six or more films in them. Um, or do you want me to give you some answers for the other things that she said for video game adaptations? Yeah, go on then. Yeah? Yeah. Doom, Resident Evil, Assassin's Creed, Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Halo... Which I sort of allowed. Hell. Yeah. Pokemon, she said, and Digimon, and Final Fantasy films, Spirit Within and Advent Children. Cool. So, yeah, when, you know, I was struggling to think of any others by that point uh, myself. So, six or more films in them, franchises. Steve said Wrong Turn, and it is correct. There are six Wrong Turn films that so just about snuck in there, and she didn't name it. So, nice. naught points. Yeah, so you're currently on seven total. John, you said the Pokemon films, for which she didn't name in six or more films, so also pointless. Yes. And Brooker, you said Halloween, and she didn't name that either. What? Zero. <laughs> yes. She got I mean, Fast not... and Furious, Rocky, Star Wars, Saw, Harry Potter, and James Bond. So. Fair enough. Yeah, all pointless. So the scores are still... The same. And the final round. <laughs> okay. Steve. I I did say I would allow Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Why not? 
And that puts you on seven in total. She didn't say Evil Dead 2. But she did say Evil Dead. So, uh, John, two points. Oh. And Brooker said Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which she did also name. Wow. Okay. So, one point. I thought I, got, so, I thought I was all right with that one. You were. Well, you you know, you are, actually, because, Brooker, you've won with one point. <laughs> Woo! Way! Um, John got 12, and Steve got seven. So, so I lost. Louder, Quiz my done. Throat hurts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that brings the total scores to one all between me and Steve now. And um, one step further away well, from yes. Steve didn't technically lose. Exactly. He didn't technically lose, but Brooker won. <laughs> so, too bad for Steve. Steve is just the first of the losers. <laughs> yeah. If you ain't I, first, I'd really despair. Yes, exactly. Apparently, um, I'm going to win this so much. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the news. Where, like we said earlier, it was just filled with Super Bowl trailers. That's the only thing that's really of note happened. Um, there were so many. Arguably, great... the only thing that happened of note from that entire Super Bowl. <laughs> that made me climb down this mic. <laughs> yeah, it was a good job we saw each other just weekend gone and not coming. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so uh, Super Bowl happened, and there's always lots of trailers and spots for films in that that always, well, generally bring up lots of talking points, but it didn't seem to be a, a flagship movie to trailer in this one. There didn't seem to be a, a big, you know, a huge kind of standout superhero film or Star Wars film or anything like that. Um, although some big films in there, none of them seem to really, you know, pull you in and think, that's the one that I want to see. That trailer is the one I want to see. Um, but we had everything ranging from the kind of nonplussed about, like Baywatch and Transformers 5 and Pirates of the Caribbean 5, to perhaps more interesting things like Logan, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Ghost in the Shell... Um, anything life that, as well, possibly life could be the sneaking. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the 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 point that you raised just before um, we started listening to some of those films, I, I think it's very indicative of 2017 and what we've got coming. In that, it's just nothing exciting there, is there? Nothing. To, there's some okay looking films and some that might be quite good, but nothing that's really a standout. That's making you go, I can't wait to see that. I'm not sure I'd say that. A few people thought there might be a, a teaser for The Last Jedi in there, but that didn't happen. No. Um, Brooker, you disagree, though? I, I, disagree, so. I disagree that there's no interesting film. I do agree that the trailers were pretty boring. And I think the problem there is, apart from like one bit of Guardians 2, and there's a couple I haven't seen, but of all the trailers I watched... I've seen it all before in the other trailers that have been released for the last two months. Mm. I want to see something there was, new. There was no Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool this year. No. To uh, yeah, do something a bit unusual. But what I mean is, you know, so let's say Ghost in the Shell or Logan. We've seen a, a couple of trailers for those films that look really good and, you know, mm-hmm. lots of action, lots of story. And all those 30-second teasers done was just cut a few bits out of them. Nothing new at all in either of them. So Although what... we did notice in the God, the Ghost in the Shell um, trailer for the first time, was, I don't know whether it was intentional, but there was a lot of emphasis on um, Scarlett Johansson's costume. You know, the sort of skin-tight, yeah. skin-coloured... Her skin. ...thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, in the in the anime, in the um, the animated movie, it it's just her skin, isn't it? She's basically naked the entire time. Yeah. Whereas this has got. I don't know whether it's supposed to be like a cybernetic skin thing. I think it um, is. I think they're taking the word shell a bit too literally. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I refuse did to pass judgment because um, I'm actually quite excited about the Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, I know so many I'm, people ain't. So many people really want to tear into yeah. it. I really, I'm quite looking forward to it. Hmm. Uh, I also, I mean, I watched all the trailers on the Guardians website, and one of the films that was listed there uh, was the 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 teaser for John Wick Two, which they describe as inexplicably popular, which I thought was quite an interesting turn of phrase. <laughs> um, I I think I know why it's popular. 
I didn't think it's... I, I suppose it's because it's The Guardian, right? And it's just promoting violence. Therefore, why is this popular is actually translated as this shouldn't be popular. I think but, The uh, Guardian are just a couple of years behind in the, oh, look, isn't John Wick a thing? Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. The best thing um, John Wick's been doing over this weekend, though, are all the Fifty Shades Darker digs. Have you been seeing these? No. Fucking, oh, I yeah, I have. I, yeah, yes. They're they absolutely brilliant. John, did you see anything there that you thought looked interesting or did you just avoid them? Because, you know, quite sensibly, trailers these days just seem to, even teasers, give away absolutely everything. Yeah, I mean, I am i don't tend to watch trailers, especially when I go to the cinema. So for the last couple of years when I've gone to the cinema around about Star Wars time, I've purposefully not gone in while they've been showing them. So I try to avoid okay. trailers to because I hate spoilers that much but mm-hmm. i did see a couple of the ones that you've mentioned life for instance i saw while i was waiting to watch resident evil because i just happened to be sitting there and yeah i think that one looks quite interesting as a in space claustrophobic potential horror film mm-hmm. but the person i am i'm not going to watch that because i don't do horror films oh right uh, same as horror games yeah i'm too much yeah. of a girl <laughs> Why am I friends with you? <laughs> Opposite to tracked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, I think that does look like it could be an interesting movie, and I've seen it compared to Alien, which is also interesting given that Ridley Scott's that new Alien film is also um, out this year, isn't it? So surprised to not see any of that at Super Bowl. Yes, me too. I thought something would be there. Um, Considering it was airing in the States on Fox, I expected Fox to throw a lot of money at that. Mm. But, but instead, nothing. Um, and Transformers like Steve says, and the last dodgy sword fight in Transformer do. Yep. Yeah, more fucking Transformers movies. Um, speaking of Bay, there was Baywatch, which, <laughs> I mean, the trailer for that just looked like it was all done in green screen. Yep. I thought it was fucking weird. Why would they have, like, a beach scene? I think it's, surely it's quite easy to get a beach when you're a massive Hollywood studio and just shoot it. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know when they were shooting it. It might have been freezing cold in the middle of winter. but uh, In Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a bit... That, that struck me as a bit odd. Um, and, yeah, the only other thing that I thought was interesting was the Stranger Things Season 2 trailer, oh. which was the... I, Who's did Steve? I know you. You've seen some of these Netflix originals. Have you seen Stranger Things yet? Yeah, it's by far the best thing they've done. Okay. Do Do you see the the teaser for season two? I haven't yet. Um, I'm assuming well, Renata Ryder's not coked off her tits still. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, looking she like a was, hula uh... dancer on a taxi dashboard. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember seeing her in the teaser that no. you mentioned it. But um, I was a bit worried that it was going to be full of, like, you know, spoilery things. Uh, and it seemed to be free of them, so far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so just interesting it was... to see where they're going to go with season two. I thought ending it like they did was perfect. Just leave it at one season. Mm. Maybe I, I it's going to be very hard for them to hit the same heights they did with yes. the first season. Um, I'm not... worried that they'll go a, a bit bigger. Even though there's been a lot of good Netflix originals, it's not very often a new show, especially a Netflix original or something uh, made by Amazon Prime or something comes out to such universal universal acclaim from critics and just normal viewers. And Stranger Things did. I just think mm. are they are they are they overegging it too much by doing a second season? Do they need to do a second season? I mean, the, the first season ended up ended pretty perfectly with most things resolved, but that tiny bit of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, people have done good second seasons before, so maybe this will be the same. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, from the teaser, the one thing that you can see is that they're trying to go uh, larger in scale. Um, oh, yes. Because there's a big foreboding red sky with a weird creature thing in the background. 
So whether that's the upside down or whether that's something that's come through or what is it's a Godzilla it? crossover? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, that was that was kind of interesting. I'm, I'll I will keep an eye on that. I'm, I did really enjoy the first season of that, but uh, that was about it from what I could see in those trailers. Interesting that they've uh, advertised Stranger Things that early on, though. Netflix don't usually do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it only had a coming soon date, didn't it? Halloween. Oh, did it say Halloween? Yes, yeah, it said, ah, said it's coming okay. at Halloween. But it's kind of what I mean. Usually Netflix stuff, you get a trailer a month at best before it comes out. Usually just mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Stranger Things just appeared on Netflix. It just appeared one day, one day didn't it? Oh, well, yeah, I saw the trailer for it like a week or so before it came out. But there wasn't, really yeah. a, there wasn't really a great deal of hype, was it? It was just until it was out, it was just there. Oh, let's watch Stranger Things. I do wonder whether they had predicted what a phenomenon it was going to be, or whether it was a complete surprise to Netflix as well. Because uh, it just came out of nowhere, didn't it? And then they obviously try and replicate the feel of Stranger Things with something like the OA, um, which has been much more it. divisive. Hmm. So I watched the first episode, and it didn't convince me to go back immediately and watch the second. Fair enough. But yeah, but I know people who love it, and I know people who thought it was absolute trash. So I think it. it whereas Stranger Things was, uh, uh, it had much more of um, a fan base. Yeah. You know, a solid fan base of people who were praising it to the hilt because, uh, well, quite rightly, I think it was a very well made, very good, very nostalgic TV series. <laughs> Find out for what we've been watching when we have a look at uh, what we've seen in the last week or so that weren't necessarily new releases. Um, John, as you're new here, why don't you start us off with what you've seen? Ah, hello, Deep End. (laughs) Yeah, throw him right in there. (laughs) Uh, I watched, um, as it was released this week, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions. Ooh. Yeah. Don't get this kind of stuff without me on here. <laughs> yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. I kind of remember. That's the card game one, Yeah, right? Yu-Gi-Oh! was a big part yeah. of my childhood and teens, so I, like, I played the card game like with friends at school. I played the video games when they came out again with friends at school, and I watched the anime not so much with friends at school, because... <laughs> but when I got home from. So, you know, seeing a, the film coming out when I was looking for showings of Resident Evil, which didn't appear until like two days before it was actually released, uh, seeing that there was a film out to celebrate what was essentially the 20th anniversary of the, you know, of it starting. It was, uh, yeah, it was an, it was an all right film. I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. And I wouldn't say mm. it really brought back any the nostalgic feelings while watching it. So mm. it was a it was a strange one for me. It was a so you join the main character Yugi Moto and his gangs uh, gang of friends in the last year of school. It's about it's set like about one year after the end of the first generation of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime, uh, where the spirit of the pharaoh has returned to his tomb, and you know. Everything's all rosy in the world. But uh, the film goes for a a weird turn in that the nemesis of Yugi, Seto Kaiba, is trying to resurrect the pharaoh so he can finally de- defeat him in a duel. Whereas, And then there's the villain who is trying to prevent that from happening. Which is because if, that, if the pharaoh is resurrected, then the powers that he's been granted... Or also called the Plana, uh, which basically allowed him to teleport and steal people's souls. Which seems kind of like that's a bad thing, and that's what makes him the villain. But mm-hmm. him not wanting what the nemesis of the main character wants shouldn't necessarily make him the villain. So it's a bit of a, a weird, twisted way around. Yeah, it's not quite. It doesn't sound quite so black and white of good and bad. Yeah, it just. Uh, or is it? Is it just because that's accidentally how it's presented? No, I think or it's. Is it intentionally it's an doing attempt that? at trying to blur the lines of good and bad because he spends the entire time saying that he's the good guy and that he's trying to prevent 
you know, he's trying to make the world a better place by having the powers that he does, as opposed to not having the powers, which means that the world's just going to continue going into a, a terrible loop of, well, what the mm. world is currently doing. It's going to please the old fans, the ones who watched the original and didn't really get along with the, the, the newer generation of stuff, but the film spends a lot of time setting up to a climax that doesn't really happen. It right. be um obvious spoiler in that the, the pharaoh comes back and doesn't talk at all, just sort of appears, does two things, and it's over. It kind of, like it falls entirely flat based on that. And I guess it's the, the disadvantage of being a two-hour film versus being thirty twenty-five minute episodes is that they can spend such a long time setting up the film only to, you know, only have mm -hmm. about five actual jewels of the card game in the film as opposed to the 30-odd episodes where you have a single jewel go on for about three or four episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is quite difficult. I mean, is it really two hours? Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yeah, two-hour movie. Two hours. A two-hour movie see, see of that... me sitting there watching things happen that doesn't really <laughs> help the story at all. Yeah. Mm. And this were, this is just... Is it new in the US or is it just... Uh, it's uh, new in the US and Europe as of this last week, but it's been out in Japan for about seven or eight months, I think. Oh, okay. So it is still relatively new then. Yeah. So it's not like an old movie that was shown as part of the series and there is just finally coming out over here. No, it's, it's actually it's something, a new brand creation. New. I think it was to celebrate the, the 20th anniversary, and I think they've also remastered the original series into, you know, HD or something, and re-released it Oh, again. right, like they did with Dragon Ball Kai. Yeah. And they made that into, yeah, HD stuff. Okay, hmm. Seems interesting. Have you ever gone back and watched old episodes of the cartoon? Now you've sort of had a few years distance from them yeah i what was it two years ago i think they added the first two series onto netflix or they added the first series mm -hmm. onto netflix and then they added the second series about six months later and then we still are waiting for them to bother with the third series so and how did you get on with it now <laughs> compared to like how you would have if you were still a kid um i Certainly enjoyed it a lot better this time around, but it kind the the fact that it's missing some of the newer generation stuff in the card game mm -hmm. because well they've improved on it and they've made rule changes and they they play things and it's like you can't do that they're restricted stuff any you know you're not allowed to have that anymore stop it <laughs> yeah oh well well it seems like it might be. Okay, I guess, for fans. Is that fair? Yep. Okay for fans. Probably not for Brooker. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I have seen in the last um, week the... Uh, well, not... The American The Ring and the sequel, not the Japanese one, ahead of the third film. God knows why they're making it. Um, it's another film that I don't think really needs to be made, but... It is, and I'll probably go and watch it. So I went back to watch these, and I think I did years ago see the original Japanese one, um, and I can see why they make these American remakes of these Japanese horrors, despite how good the Japanese ones are, despite the fact that there's probably not been an American remake better than the Japanese original, but people are lazy, they don't want to read for two and a bit hours for a film they want to watch something without having to read all the subtitles they want to anyway um so yes the first one is probably one of the better films of its kind um it does have a fair few decent scares albeit some jump scares a bit of tension a reasonable plot that makes some sense um but yeah it's not it's not up there with the best horror films. Naomi Watts is alright in Rings One, Rings yeah, Horror, isn't she? Yeah. She does alright. It's just an okay film. It's not a horror film that leaves you really freaked out afterwards. I mean, after the film, the main the main kind of iconic thing from the films is the girl crawling out of the telly. I mean, I could sit there afterwards watching a load of static on the telly and not be freaked out by it. 
it doesn't. Mm. Well, it was. I think part of it was like because it became a bit like Candyman, wasn't it? And then it was passed around when it was actually on videotape. Yeah. It was passed around, and you would call your friends after they'd watched it, and the phone would ring, and that would so fuck. What was that? You know, it was kind of it. It became like um, folklore. It kind of entered into actual folklore, um, and I think that was part of the charm of it. Really, was that um, it, it came as part of this package. It wasn't just a movie. It was the again a phenomenon. Really, it just became so incredibly popular. Um, but now, I mean, in my mind, I've consigned it to being as part of like a craze of movies like you know I know what you did last summer and you know perhaps not scream but those kind of movies where they've got a very particular audience and it's usually younger people who they're going to make jump yeah and so therefore it exists for that reason yeah. alone whereas they're, Ringu they're a little bit of was, their time as well aren't they yeah, maybe a bit dated, probably. Yeah, the problem with the second um, one is, and it, it kind of happens sometimes with horror sequels, is less about the atmosphere and trying to scare you, trying to freak you out, and more about trying to explain or find out what is behind the thing that's trying to attack or possess or kill or whatever. So it just goes looking. Mm-hmm. It sends up more of like a... Not a detective show so much, but it's you know, more of a procedural show about so you know about Samara and finding out about her and her past and her history and her family, rather than sort of trying to scare the sh- yeah, it's a yeah, mystery, trying, rather it? than trying to scare the shit out of you. It's just kind of a mystery with a mm. few scares in it, um, which I I think is um, not really particularly great because the story is so yeah but anyway. quite a lot of horror films do that with sequels don't they if you look for all of these mm. kind of modern horror films um so you know from the ring right up to um what's the kind of um the there's a equivalent would be like yeah insidious insidious. Or so something. The, the second and third insidious films they just go start looking more for what the the demon is and what why it's trying to do what it's doing and whatever and yeah, they mm-hmm. try and scare you still, but it just seems to be more about looking into the past of the of the thing or the history of the thing and whatever. Actually, I'll tell you what is a more a- accurate comparison would be Paranormal Activity. Yes. Because that also had that kind of um, cult that built up around it and then it became just enormous, just this juggernaut of a franchise. Yeah. And each one of those progressively tries to explore more of the story, when probably people who are watching it, most of them I would assume, are watching it to be scared, not to learn about a coven of witches. Yes, So definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, what have you seen this, this past week? I watched the... I'm going to put a warning here as well, by the way. So those of a squeamish disposition... Should probably skip ahead five minutes. But I watched a documentary on Netflix called Rats, which is by Morgan Spurlock, that Paul recommended at the end of last week's show. And he described as... You've only got yourself to blame. Yeah, this is the quote. Paul described it as, absolutely the most fucking disgusting, horrendous thing I've ever seen in my life the closest I've ever been to being sick whilst watching a film. That's what Paul said. And we all know the kind of things Paul's seen. Um, so I can totally understand why uh, he's, he's felt that way. Because it starts by showing you stuff like, you know, as you would expect, it's, the whole premise of the documentary is just that it's going to show you rats and how different cultures associate them with different things. Um, so it starts showing you how filthy rats can be like in some New York streets and how they, there are hundreds of them in bins and stuff and you're never more than like two feet away from massive balls of the giant fuckers. And it talks about the spread of disease. Uh, you know, it even recalls like the spread of the uh, the plague and how it was rats and their fleas that were responsible or to blame. But I haven't asked him yet. I think the thing that Paul is referring to as the most fucking disgusting bit 
uh, or at least the thing that I found the most disgusting anyway, is when the documentary crew are in Reading in England and they film a group of hoity-toity country toffs who are hunting rats with their legion of terriers. So they're catching these rats in the countryside and their, their dogs, the terriers, are ripping the rats to shreds. Like one dog has the rat, uh, the rat's head in its grip. It's got the rat just by the fucking face whilst the other uh, terrier is biting its legs. It's pulling its legs and they are tearing it in half. This this creature. They've like got a game of tug of war over this rat and like it's some kind of like toy. And the rat is like this camera showing you everything. The rat is shrieking in pain, and you can see its skin is tearing, like it's Lovely. being properly torn apart. So either that is the thing that Paul found disgusting, or possibly it's the bit in the lab where they're dissecting dead rats, and the scientist digs out a botfly larva that's still alive on one of these dead rats, and it's as big as its fucking head. And it's crawling a lot. Yeah. Uh, it leaves a wound on the rat that is just ginormous. Like a gaping chasm on the side of this rat where it's well, just been festering. I know what documentary I won't be watching this year. <laughs> yeah. So it could be referring to that. Or Paul could be referring Fuck to the off, bit in <laughs> There's a woman who puts a load of these rats in a bag and drowns them in a bucket of water so that she can roast and then eat them. And uh, only half of them are kind of dead. Most of them are only half dead, still twitching, and she puts them on a chopping block and with a massive cleaver starts lopping off their legs and their tail before chopping off their head. Nice. Last. They make burgers um, from them like the people that live underground in Demolition Man. Uh, yeah, literally just pulling the skin off, skewering it and sticking it in a fire. Mmm. Um, so basically what I'm getting at is that Paul kind of missold the documentary because it is even more horrendous in places than, than he made out. It is. I mean, it's not his fault. It's like beyond description in the English language of how disgusting it is. It, it, it leaves you feeling like sick in the back of your throat whilst you're watching it. Um, and I didn't come out of it thinking rats were disgusting. I came out of it thinking I just despise humanity. You know, fuck you, humans. I don't need a documentary for that. Yeah. Just, man. I, it's the first Morgan, uh, Morgan Spurlock film I've actually seen as well. Really? Which is a bit of a... Yeah. I haven't actually seen Super Size Me or... Um, Super Size Me was quite interesting. I quite liked Super Size Me. The Hunt for Osama mm. Bin Laden was shit. Was it? Yeah, that was just boring. Yeah. And that was basically him selling himself on the fact that he was the guy that done Super Size Me. And now he's right, in the desert. Yeah. But they're the only two of his I've seen, I think. Uh, well, I kind of like how this one is um, a reflection of what people... Like, it shows you how cruel and inhumane people can be um, towards things that they consider inferior, right? So, you know, how you view rats at the start of the documentary is how you end up viewing people when it's over, um, which I think is quite clever and intentional. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as Paul says, it's just fucking disgusting. Mm. It's um, a grim watch in Who's places. Who's off the kebab after recording today? <laughs> yeah, off we go. Skewered rat. Lovely. Ever tried it? Uh, no, but I hear it's delicious. What's the What's the most exotic animal you've ever eaten? Uh, I've had... Well, my father-in-law is Chinese, so I've had some things... I've had chicken feet, um, which are like duck feet, but without the webbing. That's a joke. No. I don't like them. I can guess this. Just basically, if you like chicken skin, it's like that, but sloppy and wrapped around bones, um, which I wasn't so keen nice. on. I had, this is like very unethical, but I've had shark fin soup. And basi okay. basically, the shark the fin... that they are going to be giving you phone calls now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I only had a little bit. It's yeah, not that it'll make a difference, I suppose. But <laughs> it's just a tiny <laughs> bit of the shark. It's Yeah, um, which they don't like because it's so expensive as well. They don't 
you don't. You'd, you'd think they'd put meat in it, but they don't. They put like the sinewy bits from the shark's fin. Like the the, the the they're like white stringy bits. There's only a, like a few of them in a massive bowl of water and vegetables and fish stock. It's not nice, but I don't really eat that kind of thing anyway. But um, mm. yeah. How about you, Steve? What's the most exotic thing you've had? Deep fried uh, Mars bar. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> can- probably probably kangaroo. Oh yeah. I didn't like Very kangaroo. Nice. I, it was, it, yeah, it was too um, gamey. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, um, I've had crocodile. Have you had crocodile? No, that was a bit rubbery. Everyone says it tastes like chicken, but it doesn't taste like chicken. It just tastes like There's a blue well, crocodile. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's not particularly fishy or meaty or anything. It's just it, yeah, but it was a bit rubbery. I felt. How about you guys? What's the most exotic thing either of you have eaten? McDonald's. <laughs> yep. I dare you to explain uh, to me what's in any meat in any of those. I was going to say. <laughs> You've got no fucking idea. No, uh, a, a 15 deep, piece sausage from Tesco. Yeah. Mm. I had deep fried locust once. Oh, who was that? Uh, it was crunchy. Yeah. And not they could nice. cure world hunger, you know, if we started eating insects. Well, There's we've all seen Snowpiercer, right? We've all seen Snowpiercer. Were well, you going to talk about eating babe? No, wait, that's a spoiler. No. <laughs> I was talking yeah. about the black bars that they eat. <laughs> yeah. John, you got any uh, weird things you've eaten? Probably ostrich or chicken hearts. Chicken hearts? Okay. Yep. A Brazilian restaurant that has since closed down in Milton Keynes had chicken hearts just on skewers. They'd actually mm. walk around the tables and just say, here you go, have a chicken heart. Yeah. It's amazing how many Brazilian restaurants closed down, isn't it? <laughs> when you start flinging chicken hearts around the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Just literally line them up on a plate and flick them. <laughs> Away from uh, food chat, uh, Brooker, what have you seen this week? Uh, because it's that time of year for for me, at least, and for John. It's Super Bowl weekend this weekend, and my, my annual tradition is to watch any given Sunday the uh, Oliver Stone... American football film from 1999. Have you, you guys all seen this? Never. Nope. Not You've once. never seen Any Given Sunday? I've not seen Any any Given Sunday. Nope. Wow. I mean, it, wow. obviously, it's, <laughs> it's an American football film. So if you have no interest in American football, it'll probably put you off. But you don't have to be an American football fan to watch it. Because it's actually a really, really good drama with some spectacular... Actors in it and doing, you know, with some spectacular performances. I mean, we're talking Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, James Wood. LL Cool J. LL Cool J. <laughs> LL Cool J is awesome in that film. Nelly. Nelly? LL Cool J. My God. Well, is he, he was in Deep sea, deep, uh, deep Blue Sea as well, right? Yeah. He was good. Wasn't he one of the only yes. two people who survived that? I think so, yeah. Yes, he was the chef. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Older, old school footballer Lawrence Taylor's in it and is awesome. It's just, it's a really good drama about, you know, a football team struggling to do well and a, a quarterback doing well but being a complete dickbag about it. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's long, but it's really good. And it's, I mean, me, I think me and Brian have talked about Any Given Sunday on the podcast before. If, you know, if, if you don't know this film, you have to go just YouTube Al Pacino's, uh, fighting for inches speech. It is the most inspirational thing you'll ever see in your life. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, he delivers this speech at the beginning of the final game of the, the film and it is just brilliant. Every performance Oliver Stone has is, is amazing. It is kind of hindered in the fact that it looks... Have you got... Okay, so have you seen uh, Natural Born Killers? I, I have and I just really didn't like it. So you know how that? Why well, I quite like Natural Born Killers. We know how Natural Born Killers kind of looks like Oliver Stone's just trying different filming techniques for the entire film. With it's no, like, re- yeah, it, with yeah. no real thought as to how he's stitching it all together afterwards. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Any Given Sunday kind of suffers from that a bit as well. Right. Uh, okay. So you, if you can't get over that, then you won't enjoy it. But it's an awesome American football film, so I can get over it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's worth wasting two and a half hours of your life, especially if you've never seen it again, uh, never seen it before. 
to wrap up this week's Failed Critics podcast and to review something new, we are going to, or Andrew and John are going to take a look at the latest uh, Resident Evil movie, uh, Resident Evil Final Chapter, although I somewhat doubt it will be, um, and also look at the film's franchise's history and its relationship with the very popular video game. Um, first of all, uh, Brooker, John and Owen as well, if you have any input, how how much of a fan are you of the film series, the games, and what relationship do the two bear towards each other? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll chip in very quickly because John and Brooker's latest episode, as we said at the start of the show, is all about the games and is really good listen. I would encourage people to go and check it out. Battlecritics.com, it's on the front page. Um, but I have... My experiences with the games start and end with the first two. Um, we had Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1 before any, uh, you know, before we played the, the first game. So me and my brother and his mate Alex, we went through those games together. And I've got like quite nostalgic, fond memories of them and being terrified by them both. Uh I remember watching the film when that came out, expecting it to be a horror and to be terrified by it. And I remember just being thoroughly bored and underwhelmed. Uh, because it's nothing, not tonally, not sort of structurally, anything like the games, is it? No. The original movie. No, Aside from not. it's all set inside a big sort of house thing. An office block, I think, isn't it? Or a lab or something. Underground old bunker. house with a, a bunker. With a bunker underneath. Yeah. Yes, that's about it, isn't it? For similarities. Really much. So I mean, yeah. Um, uh, what I mean, how about you guys? What's your, what do you think about the relationship between the two? Well, there Can is you... none. <laughs> mm-hmm. and Very I, think that's, I think that's kind of the point. Uh, Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil movie, is unapologetically nothing like the games. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing like the games. And it's done on purpose, I think, so you don't compare it to the games. Because you can't com- you can't compare uh, a 12 to 15 hour atmospheric horror experience to a two hour movie. You just can't. So do the obvious thing, make it an action film, which it is. It's not a horror film, even slightly. It's an action film. Call it Resident Evil and don't have a single character from Resident Evil in it. Yeah, which is effectively what they do, isn't it? Yep. And I would say they only bring the characters into it later on to appease fans that bitched about it when the first one came out. Oh, okay. So they do eventually bring in characters from the games. They have a, a crossover. Yes. So the second film has at least... Well, the second film has two off Jill. the top of my head. as Jill and Nemesis. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, and then they all start kind of appearing as you go on. Third one is Claire. Yes, yeah, so you get Claire Redfield in three, and then kind of everybody. Uh, Claire, just Claire Redfield, still in four. With Chris. Ada Wong appears in five. With oh yeah, Chris as the Leon. Yep. And uh, the 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 problem there is. They're just they're used as throwaway characters, and they're only there for people that bitch that the main characters weren't in the films. And because someone tried to appease these fans, they actually made it worse, in my opinion. What about the the tone of the? I mean, because I think Paul W S Anderson gets a lot of stick when actually a I, lot of I it like, is unfounded. I like Paul W S Anderson films. There, he just he doesn't give a fuck. He just makes his own films, doesn't he? You know, he you, just sticks his fingers up at people and you, says, I'm going to make what I want to make. You've and literally kind of... only got to look at his Three Musketeers movie and see, <laughs> just, and see just how little he gives a fuck about the source material of anything. But like with Resident Evil, um, the movies, he, I was reading recently um, when I was re-watching the f- first one or tried to re-watch most of the first one and I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> he basically went to Europe to make it. Because he was like, fuck you, America. You tried to screw me over so much with Event Horizon. He had such a bad time making that that he went, I'm not even going to I'm not even gonna make this here. And he found funding in um, 
parts of Europe and in the UK. And that's yeah. what happened. He just made it on his own elsewhere, which yep. is pretty ballsy for taking a, a franchise that could have been proper Hollywoodized, and yet it really doesn't feel like a Hollywood film. You you know, you, you can say that much about it. Whether you think it's good or bad, it doesn't feel American at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it, feel, it feels like it's set in some uh, Bavarian castle somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's, it is very Euro-esque, Euro-horror. Mm. Um, but uh, there were people involved with that who genuinely, genuinely wanted to be involved with Resident Evil from the beginning. I think I was reading about uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Like yeah. She played the games and was like, I want to be part of this franchise, whoever makes it. And uh, that's how she got involved with it, uh, which is pretty cool because it says, you know, she had a genuine commitment to it. And you watch the film now and you can see she actually does care about what's happening, you know. There's Less a, so when a... she turns up again in five. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Uh, she liked the film that much that she wanted to be in it more than once in five. No, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's be honest about this. Five was a paycheck in a time where she was struggling <laughs> to get paychecks. Mm. <laughs> okay. I think she got two paychecks for that. <laughs> so, on to um, Resident Evil, the final chapter. What? Where are we at the start of this film? A horrendous shell of the White House. <laughs> right. It, it so pretty the... much jumps in about what could be like an hour after the end of the previous film. So what they did with the end with have you guys seen Resident Evil Five? Maybe, but I honestly couldn't tell you. Okay, that, so, I've got exactly the same problem. Okay, so Resident <laughs> Evil Five basically ends with uh, Miljovic's character coming out onto I think like the front of the White House with a couple of the other characters and looking out across what is essentially just war. It is just a fucking mess of zombies and flying beast things and. They're overrunning the place. So that's where five ends and six begins. Well, that's at night and six begins in the daylight. So probably the following morning when everything that was going to happen has happened. You don't see any of the battle, I suppose you'd call it, that went on. There's just rubble. As for the quality of the film, what what should people (laughs) expect from the sixth entry in the Resident Evil series? I I know me and John disagree on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll let John go first. You can expect the the typical military porn that is the Resident Evil universe in the films, mm-hmm. and you can expect to see a lot of Mila Jovovich cleavage. Right. Um, Standard. Yep. Yeah. You get to go back into the hive towards the end, which from the first one, so it adds. Okay. A claustrophobic element that was that's been missing, like throughout all of the other ones, you know, being set outside mm-hmm. for the most part. So there's that. I didn't love the film. It, I wouldn't say it's as bad as what five was. I didn't like five at all, but it's not as good as say one, two, or three. Okay. Because, well, Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson's back on the series now, though, isn't he? And which ones did... He didn't do... Did it, Was it two and three that he didn't do? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the yeah. name of the guy that done two. I yeah. Know we, I know we talked uh, about it at the weekend. We did. Yeah, we were chatting about this, you, me and Tony. Yeah. Um, uh, and Russell Mulcahy, or Mulcahy, whatever his name is, the guy that made Highlander, made three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Paul W.S. Anderson made one... Four, five, and six, as far as I know. So, yeah, so he came back to do them all um, after that. Okay, that's fine. So they're the worst ones. <laughs> so mm, the same yeah, well, two is a bit shit, but I forgive two a lot because Nemesis is awesome. Uh, and I like um, I like a couple of the guys that play the stars unit in it. Five is unwatchable nonsense. And I and I say this from you know as a person who actually really quite likes the series. So imagine you think one is unwatchable nonsense, you will never get through number five. Right, it's just fucking terrible. Uh, 
isn't well. See, isn't that mimicking the games? Wasn't five the bad game? Well, it does kind of follow that route. So number <laughs> number f- film five kind of matches game six, whereas right, it's okay. just action nonsense for action nonsense's sake. Uh, but the thing with film five now, actually, having seen film six, is it feels like filler. Right. It feels like they wanted to do the final chapter. They knew they, how they wanted to do the final chapter. They needed to get there as cheap as possible, you know, with minimal amount of effort on in everybody's case. Like, no one put effort in in five. But actually, I quite liked six. I thought six was... It was it's a, been pushed quite a bit as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and to, to be final fair, chapter, it's, it's amazing. It's a solid action film. I would say it's a solid action film. The horror elements, it's the same as all the Resident Evil films. They're not horror films. If you go in expecting horror films, you're going to be sadly shocked. Hmm. But, you know, as as shit action fodder, uh, the lads from Sudden Double Deep call them beer and, uh, beer and pizza movies. Yeah. That's exactly what they are. Five is not. Five is just shit self movie. But... Six, yeah, it's a, it's. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it this afternoon. I watched it in 4DX, which was a mistake. Oh dear. Well, do you remember when I saw you at the weekend? I said my neck's fucked. Mm. <laughs> it's even more oh, fucked no. now. But yeah, I, I really quite liked it. It, it ends the story nicely. It strips away all of the waste, all of the shit from the last couple of films where they've just kept throwing characters at it for the fun factor of it, you know. We can put Chris Redfield in. We can put Leon Kennedy in. Let's just do it. They've stripped all of that back, and they've got a couple of key players, and that's it. And it's all the better for it, in my opinion. I think it's all the better for it. And I actually, I, I would watch this one again. I don't think I would bother ever sitting through five again. Okay. Well, um, high praise indeed. Maybe. It depends on if you like um, the, if you don't like the Resident yeah. Evil films, you're not going to like Resident Evil Six. If you've yeah. if you've made the decision that oh Resident Evil Six is out, I should go and watch that. You know exactly what you're walking into. You're getting a higher quality <laughs> than the last couple of them, but you know exactly what you're walking into. If you walk into that and then come out surprised at what you've seen, you're doing life wrong. See, my expectation of this new one is that because of how heavily it's been marketed, whereas the last three, probably, um, I probably wouldn't have known existed if I hadn't been a film fan anyway. I think think this one is just all over the... Quite well, because it was the first 3D one. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, maybe then. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They do seem to get varying amounts of marketing, don't they? Um, it never seems to be kind of set how much of a push a Resident Evil film is going to get. Um, I think this week it, it kind of perhaps got a bit lucky in so much as there's not a lot of other new releases out and a lot of the other new releases or newish releases around this time are all the Oscar, Oscar-related, award-nominated films and people might just want to break from yeah, it's a bit heavy. It's kind mm. of had that thrown out with the trash feeling that a lot of films get in January, February, but it's actually quite good. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's not triple X three levels of shit, which needed to be thrown out with the Oscar stuff so people would forget it existed. I'm sure they'd love to put that on the tagline. <laughs> Essentially, it's, it's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the series, but no, no great shakes. No, six films in, it's if you ain't seen the rest of them, it ain't for you. Heavily marketed this film may have been, but if you hadn't seen the other ones, it's not worth watching the other ones just to watch this one. See, that's what I was wondering, actually. That's a good point. I was considering catching up on them all, and as I felt fallen asleep twice whilst trying to rewatch the first one, I, I was dreading trying to put myself through it to try and get in. There's, there's a sign, isn't it? There's a sign. Don't watch it at, like, midnight. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Make sure I'm sitting up when I'm watching it instead of lying down. That's the key. Okay, well, that is um, now almost all for, for this week's Failed Critics podcast. Just the recommendations to go. I am having a look at Netflix for all of you. 
And on Netflix, <laughs> they have just put put Ex Machina, um, the film from 2015. It was was very popular um, amongst us failed Good critics choice. people, starring Oscar Isaacs and about artificial intelligence and robots and stuff, um, which was excellent. So if you haven't seen that yet, what bloody hell's wrong if you go and watch it? And if you have seen it, go and see it again. Um, Owen, what have you seen? Um, or what am I recommending, even? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah I have seen true. it as well. But <laughs> a film for Friday evening or Saturday morning, whichever way you want to look at it, 20 past two uh, in the morning, is Maniac, which is uh, the film with Elijah Wood as a mannequin collector who is also a psychopathic serial killer. Uh, and the film is shot mostly from his perspective. came out around 2013, I think, over here. Um, it's it's great. Really innovative, neat little shocky slasher horror thing. Um, and also right before that is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think is a nice tie into Resident Evil 7, because um, oh. as in the game. Because I, from what, from what oh, I gather, yes. from the bits that I've seen of Resident Evil 7, it looks... And from what you were talking about on the podcast as well, actually. It sounds a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's, it's, it's definitely got that Texas Chainsaw hillbilly horror. Well, I saw a, a clip from the game, which was like them at a dinner table. When he was being force-fed something. Yep. And I thought, this is very Texas yep. Chainsaw. So um, get that watched on TV if you've not seen that before on Friday Okay, um, John? Uh, I'm going to go with on the Sony movie channel at 6.40pm on Friday is the film SWAT so the, the Colin Farrell Michelle Rodriguez <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson thriller that it is <laughs> that uh, I, I think the only reason I, I think I watch it every time I find it on TV it's, <laughs> right, okay. it's, it, that's, it's that film for me it's like I'm flicking through channels I see it I'll just watch the the last however long is left in the film because I just can see I was wondering if you were going to recommend gold in cinemas at the minute because Brooke has been telling me for the past week and a half that you've been desperate to tell us about it <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I was desperate to tell you about it <laughs> yeah is it a, well is it a recommendation or is it an avoid for gold uh, I I'd recommend it Brooke would not right okay <laughs> no Matthew McConaughey's really dodgy snaggletooth annoyed me all the way through. <laughs> okay, Brooke, you won't be recommending that, but what will you be recommending? Uh, I'll tell you what, really quickly, mentioning Ex Machina, and it's all, it's, it is kind of uh, relevant. Have you guys seen the backstage or the behind-the-scenes shots of Alicia Vikander being Lara Croft? No. Came out today. They look good. Yeah? Oh. She looks good. I, I'm really quite looking forward to that. Sorry, move on. <laughs> uh, specifically and specially for one Tony Black, the bastard, on Amazon Prime now is End of Watch, the David Ayer <laughs> cop thriller. Go watch End of Watch. It is fucking amazing. That will change his mind. It fucking better do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically Tony is not... What did he call him? A hack? He called David Ayer a hack. Yeah. So, Call him a hack. Yeah, End of Watch will be the movie. That... Suicide Squad is going to be Oscar winning, motherfucker. <laughs> so anyway, that is pretty much all then for this week's Fellow Critics Podcast. We wrap up for the evening. Owen, what's happening next week? Um, well, I can tell you what else is happening this week first. Uh, we've got a live episode that was recorded um, with me. So, so, so it's not going out live on the website? It's not really live, it's more like... Fail Critics Unplugged. Yeah, that's a better explanation of it. <laughs> it was basically me, Brooker and Tony met up in person in Birmingham in a pub called The Old Contemptibles, to, which was quite fitting, to um, chat movies in person. And we recorded it. And I've got a bit of a headache because I have to remove the background noise from the pub um, because The Six oh Nations God. was on. But otherwise, I mean, we came out quite clear. It'd be quite interesting to see what the feedback is on that. But that comes out on Friday this week with a bit of luck and um next week means it's our 250th episode which is excellent yeah you me jerry and james so anyone who was listening to us back in 2012 if anyone still listens to us from then 
Can't be many people, can there? Surely. I wouldn't imagine so. But basically, James and... Just you guys. Yeah, just us two still. Yeah, James and Jerry um, were the original two, along with Steve, before I was involved with Veil Critics. It was that long ago. So Those halcyon days. <laughs> Those three episodes or whatever it was that you recorded without me gone down as the best. Mm, quite. Um, so yes, that's all to look forward to uh, next week as well. Um, but thank you all for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And join us again next week for something very similar to this one. <laughs> the Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. You don't work in sales, do you, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) No. Just come back, it'll be more of the same. Yeah. Another one of these. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.